0: So can I tell you this? The first thing we need to be doing during this time is be praying. And uh, somebody said this, and I've used this before, that you can do more than pray after you have prayed. But you can never do more than pray until you have prayed. Prayer is the greatest thing. I was talking to Mark just a little bit ago. He's getting ready to leave. And we were talking about some some things that he's been going through, and we've been praying for him and and Linda as a church and uh, he said, you know, all we can do at this point is just pray. And I told him, I said, you know, as humans, we have this mindset that we want to fix things. And our mindset is uh, we think that prayer is the least we can do and that there ought to be something far more important, far more greater that we can be doing about the problem than just praying. I mean, praying seems so small, doesn't it? But the truth of the matter is, according to Scripture, prayer is the greatest thing we can do for it. It's the most important thing we can do for it. For so, uh, so many times in my life, at least, I found that uh, I oftentimes catch myself making prayer uh, somewhere down the line of trying to solve a problem. Instead of praying for it at the onset, I find myself either in the middle of it or sometimes even sad to say at the end of it when I've made a royal mess of it, Lord, can you please help me out of this situation? Any of you been there? Uh, I mean, I, I know that's, a, that's a, it's something we all do, Our nature is we want to roll our sleeves up and fix it and just be done with it, not have to bother God with it. But the truth of the matter is there is no greater thing that you and I can do than to pray. We can do more than pray after we have prayed, but we can never do more than pray until we have prayed. It's interesting to me, so many men over the years that have been noted in religious circles and been men of of renown and men that God has used oftentimes Uh, John Wesley made this statement. He said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. Charles Spurgeon said, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. The man who was known as the prince of preachers felt that a man who knew how to pray and get a hold of God could do more and be more effective than ten preachers of the gospel. S.D. Gordon said this, prayer wonderfully clears the vision. It steadies the nerves. It defines duty. It stiffens the purpose and sweetens and strengthens the spirit. Samuel Chadwick said, The one one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil and mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Oh, that men would learn to pray, to pray fervently, effectually, that we would get out of this... Mold. We all get there, don't we? We get in this mold of praying the cliché statements that we're used to. Uh, the, 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 the Christian phrases and phraseologies. Um, we need to just get, get with God and pour our hearts out to Him. And not worry about, did I say the right phrase? Did I, did I word that the correct way? You know, there are sometimes the Bible says that we have in our hearts prayers that can't even be uttered. Our burdens are so great, we don't even know how to put them into words. The Holy Spirit of God takes those prayers. Aren't you glad for this? And He takes them before the Father for us. Oh, that we would learn to pray. And when dire times come and, and things that are distressing us come, there ought to be more time that we spend in prayer. There ought to be more fervency. There ought to be more realism in our praying. Remember, we can always do more than pray after we have prayed. But we can never do more than pray until we have prayed. Number two, number two, the second thing that we need to be doing during this time is that we need to be a help to others. We need to be a help to others. Look with me in Galatians chapter number six. I... Uh, there have been, and I've not shared at length some of the testimony of the the past uh, burdens and li- things I've gone through in my life. And the truth is, I, I, I'd i thought oftentimes of sharing a lot of that with people because of how, how deep the pain was and the hurt was going through some things um, several years back. And uh, I thought, no, I don't want people to think that my pain or that I thought that my pain was any greater than anyone else's. Because God showed me something through that pain, and that is this, that everybody has some pain. And there are people out there that are hurting worse than I am. There are people that have deeper grief and deeper problems and deeper sorrows than I have. And can I tell you this? No matter how dark and grim the days may get, and no matter how defeated and deflated we may get, I promise you we can always find somebody that needs help, that's hurting, and is need in need of us to be a help and a blessing to them. You ever thought about this? And and this thought's come to me before. That God when He puts you through that trial, He may have done it for no other reason than the fact that He knew He could trust you with it, to be faithful and to come through it, so that when you on the other side find someone else in that same condition, you can be a blessing and a help to them. There are times that I think I can look back on and say God brought me through that trial for no other reason than to be a help to this person months later so that I could empathize with them and know what they were going through so that I could look at them in the eye and say I know the pain and I know the sorrow but God is still good and God will see you through it and we can say it with firm confidence and reliance knowing that God has done it for us He can do it for them. And can I tell you this, that we're going through a time where there are people out there and you don't have to look far that need some help. They need somebody to come in a timely manner and just say, listen, I'm praying for you. I, I, I want to do anything I can to be a help to you. I want to encourage you. You know, sometimes a kind word, a card, a, a, a text is something that's, that would go miles with someone who's going through difficult times. Look with me, if you will, in Galatians chapter number 6. Verse number 2, the Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill what? The law of Christ. You know, one of the laws that God gives to us is that we're to bear one another's burdens. By the way, I don't have, I don't have a problem with unspoken prayer requests. I know we take them here in our church, and I understand there are times that there are prayer requests that are very, very personal in nature. They don't need to be made public, and other people don't need to know them. But can I tell you this? I think there are many times that we keep requests that are unspoken that really probably should be shared with people, that they can help to shoulder the burden and the load of that concern. Oh, that we would learn to bear one another's burdens. Look with me, if you will, in Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3. And verse number 27. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 27. Solomon writes, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the, in the power of thine hand to do it. There are many of us that God has been so gracious to. He's been so good to us. We may not have a lot, but we have had a faithful God that has strengthened us and has carried us through, that somebody needs to know Him, and they need to know Him the way we know Him. They they need to understand that He can carry them through just like He carried us through. And that He'll be faithful to them just like He was faithful to us. That He'll bring comfort to their heart just like He brought comfort to ours. Oh, that we would learn to help others. I was told years ago, my dad shared a, a story. I don't know if it's true or not or if he just read it somewhere. But a fellow came, he'd been a member of a church for a number of years, he was a very wealthy businessman, and he always would give well to the church and would give to the missionaries and was a helpful fellow uh, to his pastor, prayed with him and everything, and he came to church all the time. And he came to the pastor one day and he said, Pastor, I want you to take my name off the church roll. He said, I'm, I've am i just lost the, the excitement, it just seems like I'm going through the motions, and he said, just kind of dried up here in the church. I don't, I don't understand what's going on, but he said, I just... I don't feel like I can be an active member here. And the pastor tried to talk him out of it, and there was just no dissuading him from it. He said, my mind's made up. He said, "Just, just isn't doing anything for me right now. The pastor said, okay. He said, I'll do it under one condition. He said, there's a widow lady in our church that has some kids, and I happen to know that they don't have any groceries. He said, I want you to go and buy buy them some groceries. You've got money, you've got the ability to do that, and you don't know uh, uh, the help it'll be to them, and I want you to take them some groceries. He said, you go do that, and then you come back, and I'll, I'll meet with you, and we'll take your name off the roll. And the businessman went, and he got the groceries, and he took them over to the house, and when he got to the house, the door was open, the screen door was still there, and He was going to knock on the door, but he heard the people inside praying, the widow lady and the children. They were kneeling beside the couch. They were praying and asking God to supply their needs. The man was trying to get away quietly. He was just going to leave it there and go. And about the time the lady heard him at the door and she looked up and she jumped up and saw what he had in his hands and began to rejoice. And he said, I don't want to be a bother to you. She said, you're no bother at all. Come on in. He said, no, ma'am. He said, i got to go meet with the pastor. She said, no, no, you don't understand. We've been praying and asking God to meet this need, and you're part of that answer. We're going to give God thanks for it now, mister. Come on in. And they sat down, and they knelt beside that couch. And one by one, the kids began to pray and thank God. And then the widow lady began to thank God. And by the time they got to the businessman, tears were streaming down his face. And he began to thank God. He came back to the church, and the pastor said, Sir, you want me to go ahead and take your name off the roll? He said, No. He said, Don't take it off the roll. He said, Just give me another name. Give me another name. Can I tell you this? You and I can be a help to someone. You say, I don't have much, Pastor. Give them your time. Give them a listening ear. Give them your prayer. Give them your compassion, your concern.'" What can we do during times like this? We can be a help. Look with me, if you will, in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter number 2. Very familiar passage. Paul writes to Timothy, Study to show thyself, verse number 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Can I tell you, number 3, we will take the opportunity to read. If they lock us down, they quarantine us, some people will say, boy, I don't have time to read my Bible, preacher. Oh, you do now. <laughs> Enough said, okay? Read, read. We talked a little bit ago at Sunday school and, and even in church. Boy, this book is precious, isn't it? I'm, I'm talking, this, this is something we cherish. It's something we love. And the more we read it, the more we love it the more it does to our hearts, the more that it draws us into this thing of, when we talked earlier in Colossians, the idea that we're letting it live in us and abide in us, dwell in us, the Bible says, richly with all wisdom. That's where the power of the Holy Spirit comes to rest upon us. As this Word begins to do its work in our hearts, the Holy Spirit is freed to do more and more through us. We need to learn to read During these times. Number four. Look with me, if you would, in the book of Jude. Jude. Chapter number two, if you can find it. Some of you won't get that until you get there. There's only one, actually. Jude. And we're going to look in verse number 22. We quote this verse a lot of times in reference to the lost. But the Bible says in Psalm, having compassion... Making a difference, this kind of goes along with verse with number two, but number four, we need to learn to love one another. First John four says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. We need to learn to love. Can I tell you this, not just our own brothers and sisters in Christ, although we could use a good, healthy dose of that, couldn't we? The day we live, there's a lot of uh, tolerating <laughs> brothers and sisters in Christ. Not enough loving of brothers and sisters in Christ. But can I tell you this? We need to love sinners too. As a church, we need to love sinners. We, we can't condone their sin. We don't. We won't condone their sin. We're not going to join in or allow them to continue in it. But can we show them some love? Oh, we better. We better. John chapter 3, verse number 16. It doesn't say, for God so wanted to correct sinners. It says, for God so loved the world. The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter number 6, or in chapter number 5, that He commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, He loved us while we were sinners. And then we find that He is to be our example. Can we love the sinners? What do we do during the coronavirus? Find somebody that's lost. Find a Christian that's away from the Lord and love them. Show them the Christ-like spirit. Encourage them along the way. Learn to love. Number five. Psalm 1, Psalm 1, the psalmist says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth the way of sinners, nor sitth in and see the seat of scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law doth he meditate day and night. The idea of meditating in the law of God's word. In Joshua chapter number 1 and verse number 8, a very familiar passage in parallel to Uh, Psalm 1, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. We're to meditate. We're to meditate three things that ought to be done in our devotional life. One is we need to learn to pray. Two, we need to learn to read God's word. Three, we need to learn to meditate on the things of God. Somebody said it this way, that when we come to God's Word, we shouldn't just read it as God's Word, but we need to read it and look for the God in the Word, what it tells us about Him. Number five is we need to learn to worship Him. The Bible says, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And I hope and I pray that when we preach here at Keith Heights Baptist Church and when we go out and proclaim the gospel to other people, that, that we're, not, we're not drawing attention to ourselves, but that we're lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. When we walk out these doors, there ought to be a joy in our hearts saying, Boy, what a great God we have. What a great Savior. Can I tell you, this is the spirit of worship. Now notice in John chapter number 4, if you'll turn there with me, John chapter number 4, I think a very, very important passage of Scripture when it comes to our worship of God. John chapter number 4 and verse number 23. Let's back up a little bit. Um, Let's go to verse 22 for a minute. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in, what's the next word here? Spirit and in... Truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Can I tell you this? The worship that goes on a lot of times in our churches today is not worshiping in the spirit. It's worshiping in the flesh. It's an outward worship. It's something that is partaking, that makes the flesh feel good. It glorifies the flesh. It allows the flesh to have its appetite soothed and maintained. Can I tell you this? When it comes to worshiping God, there needs to be a stirring and a fire in our hearts that goes from the point of loving God to absolute adoration, absolute worship as we realize who He is. As we look at God, as we see God for who He is, and we begin to see ourselves the way we are, we can't help but begin to worship Him. Not outwardly, not by getting a a drum set on the the platform, or getting a praise team up, or dancing around, or gyrating, or putting lights up, and setting the mood in the auditorium. Folks, that is not worshiping in spirit, that is worshiping in flesh. They that worship Him must be true worshipers. That worship in the Spirit, in the inner man. Oh, that God would stir our hearts for Him again. The greatest commandment of Scripture is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And I tell you this, it doesn't take long to love Him with all your heart before you begin to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Oh, that we would learn to worship you said, Brother Greg, we're in some of the, the dark days of, 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 this, of our lifetime or our generation. Some of the uh, discouragement that's going around. And boy, our liberties are being uh, stomped and, and taken away from us. And, and boy, I'll tell you, if, if things keep going the way they are, what are we going to do? We're going to keep worshiping God. We're going to keep lifting Him up. We're going to keep proclaiming Him to a lost world that needs to see an almighty God who's still on the throne and is still in control. We need to learn to worship Him, not just physically, but in spirit and in truth. And lastly, turn with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap if we faint not. We need to keep on keeping on. The Bible word for it is to be steadfast. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What do we do during the coronavirus? Boys, it's rough. And then to, on top of that, to add insult to injury, uh, with the election didn't go the way we wanted it to, it doesn't seem. Now what are we going to do? Boy, I'll tell you what, it's just one thing after another. And then my, then my uh, electric bill comes due and I don't have the money for it. And then I'll one it th- just seems like just piles and piles and piles on us. What are we going to do? We're going to pray. We're going to help others. We're going to read and study. We're going to love others. We're going to worship. And we're going to remain steadfast and unmovable. I'll tell you what, our world is starving To see some Christians that are real Christians, that inwardly are something. They hold to the things of God's Word, they're steadfast. There's a calmness about them in the midst of the storm. Not because we're strong, but because we're anchored to an unmovable rock. We've got shelter in the time of storm, we've got the comforter that comes and guides and directs us and gives us peace in the midst of the storm. And our world needs to see that. They need to look at a, a, a world of turmoil and a group of people that stand up and say, God is still God, and I'm just going to trust in Him. You know, I think if the world could see some people like that, if the world could hear a person that looked like that come to them and say, let me tell you about a great God that I serve. This God that came to this earth, died on a cross for your sins. I think this world would perk up and listen a little bit. I think they might, they might just give an ear to our message. If they can see an example of Christ in us. So what do we do during the coronavirus? I read this a couple weeks ago and I thought, boy, this is just a tremendous article. And it was a blessing to my heart. And then as we began to dig into the Scripture for some of this, I thought, boy, we just need a healthy dose of this, don't we? Just need a healthy dose of it. I hope that will be a help and encouragement to you. Let's uh, stand together and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for your Word. Lord, what a blessing it is to us to come to your Word for times of comfort and times of peace that we need in our hearts and our lives when we're going through some of the dark days and some of the valleys. Sometimes we have uncertainties and don't know where to turn. Lord, I what a great thrill it is to our hearts to be able to come to your word and know that it holds the answers to our problems. So Father, help us today to hold to these things. May we meditate. may we think upon these things as we've studied it throughout the day in our Sunday school hour in our church service in the 11 o'clock hour. and then here in the afternoon, Lord may we take these messages and dwell upon them, meditate upon them. May they become part of us, engrave them upon our hearts. we pray, dismiss us with your blessings.